Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. everybody welcome back to the street in the lawn podcast i'm zach back again here uh pierce is on vacation uh so i uh, have brought on a couple of guests uh a couple of good friends of mine and former colleagues uh the, the guys from who's got next here to talk about uva basketball recruiting you know we've done a lot of fall football camp stuff uh but but figured you know we should throw it back to basketball for a little bit uh obviously the basketball team is currently on a, on a foreign trip in italy um, but but here with me today are uh, Kevin Cook, probably the man who knows the most about UVA basketball uh, and UVA, UVA basketball recruiting out there, uh, the absolute expert. Uh, Kevin, how, how are you doing today? Hey, hey, Zach. Thanks for having me, bud. Yeah, of course. Uh, and then Joe, a former podcast partner of mine on, on Hoops on Ground and the man behind I don't think I don't I don't you don't get credit for it and, and people might not know this, but the man behind hashtag Isaac Squared. Joe, how you doing? I'm doing well. It's glad to be back on with you. Looking forward to uh talking back through the uh recruiting scene today. Absolutely. Um so for starters, obviously sort of the maybe not particularly recruiting focused, but looking at this 2022 group with uh, Isaac squared as a part of it, these guys are getting their first minutes uh, in a UVA Jersey in competition right now in Italy, as of recording, they've played one game uh, beating Stella Azura 76, 24, I believe. Um, but, but I'll throw it to Kevin first, you know, what, what are your just sort of general expectations for this 2022 group? Like, can, can we expect, you know, who, who, who are we expecting to, to maybe get minutes? Who are we expecting to, you know, maybe maybe need a year or two to, to really sort of uh, catch up to, to the speed of, of D1 college basketball. Well, first off, props to you on pronouncing that Italian team, by the way. That, that's impressive. Um, yeah, Isaac McNeely is the guy that I think, you know, is really going to be a factor this season, has a chance to be anyway. And, then, you know, he started that game yesterday. Right. Right. Uh, Kihei was setting out, so that's probably part of the reason for that. But, uh, yeah, I think McNeely could be a real difference maker this season. They need his shooting, obviously. I mean, after last season, you know. And, uh, yeah, he's really the guy to watch this season. I think Trout has a chance. I expect Trout to be a rotational player. But, you know, the front court's more crowded. It's a little harder for him to get in there this season. And, you know, the other two, one of those guys is probably going to redshirt. That's probably going to be a story, you know, as we get into the fall here. 
we'll start to figure that out. Uh, if I were guessing, I think there's a good chance Leon Bond is the guy with red shirts. I think that was more sort of the plan for him. He's the younger of the two. Or, you know, Ryan Dunn did a season. He's a little older. Right. It makes more sense for him to go ahead and play if he's ready. And, you know, he showed some good things yesterday, right? I mean, Ryan was, was one of the top scorers. And he's uh, – I don't know if he'll be a rotational guy this season, but he, you never know. He's a talented guy, that's for sure. Absolutely. And, and Joe, is there anybody – I mean, I, obviously, they all four of them bring their own strengths. Is there anybody that, that you're particularly excited about? Um, I don't know. It's hard to name one guy, but but you know, do, do you have one guy that that's maybe top in your list of those four? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, Kevin hit the nail on the head. McNeely is the guy that I'd hope to see playing a lot more, and and I think people have pinned him sort of as just Kyle Guy Jr. Um, and obviously he has a lot of that shooting prowess, but he also has just an explosive uh, athleticism that I don't think people are expecting out of him. I mean, he's, he's definitely a plus athlete at his position. So I think seeing a guy who can, can shoot it at that level and then come flying through the lane and uh, might have those, those sneaky poster dunks every now and then I'm, I'm just hoping he gets one or two of those these year where fans are just like, whoa i didn't know we had this right absolutely and then and then it, it, you know can you mention a guy like ryan dunn who might not be in the rotation whereas trout mcneely might might sort of have have that opportunity what do you is there anything that, that dunn needs to sort of clean up or, or or what he could do that that might sort of make that push you know i think all around one thing with ryan is he's just coming off an ankle injury he broke his ankle he missed i think that was like in February, March, somewhere around there. Sounds about right, yeah. season. So he's just now gotten back on the court recently. So I think that's a little bit, you know, I, I saw some reports, some fans over over there in Italy watching the games live, you know, kind of downplaying him, saying he's rough. You know, I think a lot of that is just rust with him. He's a very skilled guy. He shoots it pretty well. He's a great athlete. He's a little more, you know, he and Leon Bond, if you want to compare those two. Ryan is kind of the more skilled guard, whereas Leon is, is more of a, you, know, you call him a forward, whatever you want to say there. But uh, I think Ryan's got a great future, but he just needs to tighten everything up. He needs to get better. He, he had a he committed a lot of turnovers in his last AU season. Yeah. We know that's not going to fly <laughs> under Coach Bennett, so he's got to take care of the ball better. And, you know, just, just tighten up his shot and all those sort of things because, you know, I think they see him sort of as a DeAndre Hunter kind of guy. He's not going to have the ball in his hands a lot as far as being a playmaker. Being a, but it needs to be able to have a reliable catch and shoot guy and sort of in that mid range. He may play as a small ball four. He's he's gonna be really good. He's, I think when we talk about like guys that may not play as a freshman, fans are like, oh well. I mean, no, this is a guy that's gonna be really good. He's very talented, but uh, yeah, he's, he's probably gonna need a little time. Yeah, one of the things I saw that was floating around Twitter, um, you know, Ty Drone and and. Trey Murphy were getting a lot of buzz at these like underground NBA type player games that they they sort of run and I don't know the name of the gym but you've seen clips of LeBron I'm sure and Carmelo Anthony playing there and they had Ryan Dunn because he's he's from the New York area they had him come in and play with them get a little run with him so that was pretty sweet to see him like guarding some NBA level guys when you got guys like that we're familiar with obviously our players and then like a Jose Alvarado's out there playing with them and stuff like that. So 
from an exposure to high level talent standpoint, that is really, really cool to see. And then just like the camaraderie of, you know, like Ty Jerome has, has no reason to pull this guy along other than his UVA connection. And he's done so that's really fun to see. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think that, you know, the thing with Don is just like, he, he was a hot sort of a, a late riser sort of, you know, last summer, that type of guy who um, obviously got the offer and then, and then committed, I believe he was the last guy to commit um, of those four. And, and, you know, it, as recruiting rankings and ratings go, he's, I think the, the lowest rated or whatever of that group, but that, that doesn't sort of um, correctly represent exactly what, what he can bring to the right. table. I think DeAndre Hunter was the lowest ranked of the 2016 class, right? I think so. Yeah. I, yeah I, so that would make sense. Pretty, I mean, very, very similar situation too. He was a, you know, a late riser and had the offer in July and committed in the fall. And very similar. Definitely. I'm not saying he's DeAndre Hunter, but you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just get fans perspective. A lot, a lot of the recruiting rankings are just kind of a product of when players emerge kind of, right. you know, how long experts have to watch them and sort of, exactly. right. And, and, and when, when they sort of hit that, that, that boost or that bump, I guess. Um, as for Isaac Trout, you know, obviously this is a guy with a really high ceiling offensively. Um, I'll throw to Joe, like, you know, with, with Trout, what, what's obviously there's, there's a lot of depth in the front court this year. You bring in a guy like Ben Vanderplas and you already have Gardner, Shedrick, Kafaro, sort of a four man rotation there potentially. Um, what's Trout going to have to do maybe differently from those guys? What can he bring to the floor that, that might sort of make him deserve those minutes, you know, as a, maybe a, a small ball four, small ball five type guy. Yeah. One thing I see with Trout, obviously he's, he's super, super skilled. I know that the staff, for a while thought that he might be the most skilled player and I'm sure they still know how talented he is that, that they scouted in all of 2022 um, just the versatility he has but one of the things I mean people talk about his his shooting prowess but against a guy who's playing four or five the guys who are going to line up across him he can take him off the dribble and get to the hoop which is something we haven't had I mean Jay Huff was pretty good with that one dribble just because he had you know, those Giannis linked steps, but uh, Trout definitely has some ball skills against a guy who, you know, if you get him up against, I'm not going to say he's going to take Armando Baycott to the hoop every game, but a player who plays similar positionally, I think Trout has a really advantageous skill set to bring him out to the perimeter. Definitely. And I mean, I think that, you know, long-term, you know, do you have an idea of sort of what type of player he projects as? I mean, you know, is he a guy who's going to be sort of maybe playing small ball five or, or, you know, is there an idea sort of of how he'd fit in? Obviously with Gaffaro and, and Vanderplas, this being their last year, he has a, an immediate opportunity to, and, and Gardner to, to fill into, to a role uh, next season. Yeah, I think he's. Yeah, I think Joe has it right. He's going to be a guy that's sort of a power forward and is going to play some center. And I'm kind of curious to see if they use him as a center at times this year because that could really be his big path to getting a lot of minutes. Is you know is beating out Kafaro, frankly. Yeah. And you know you look at the last season's team and one of the real weaknesses was the, the just the, the clogged paint from having two guys that were not a threat to do anything basically. From the perimeter, when you look at Gardner, terrific player, but you know he's a guy who's going to play in around the paint. And then you're you're always at either Kafaru or or Shedrick, or also you know not perimeter. That's so you couldn't spread the floor very well. But 
you know, if you put Trout in there, that gives you a totally different dynamic. Guys does, of course, Vanderplas. It's going to be really interesting how they work, all those guys. But it's, it's not easy when you look at it from the defensive side. You know, if you if you Shedrick is really the only rim protector on the roster. Yeah. You know, Kafaro, Kafaro does it his own way. I mean, he's not a shot blocker, but he does sort of offer up some rim protection. So in order to, to spread the court, though, you've got to basically give up that rim protection. Mm. We know how Tony Bennett is. You know, he's he's really he's reluctant to trade defense in order to do that. So I think there's a lot of like roster conundrums like that this season. You look at Vanderplas, you know, obviously Vanderplas is going to be a big factor, but it's hard to play him with Jaden Gardner and be good defensively. Yeah. I mean, that, that brings up a point. I mean, I, I guess we'll, we'll actually just transition to, we were going to talk about it last, but why not transition to it now? Talking about 2022 and 2023, obviously that sort of lineup versatility is something that Bennett likes to have. Um, Cause you know, we've seen him, he likes to go small a lot of the times with sort of a small ball five. We saw that in uh, 2018, we saw that in 2019 uh, to great success. And then the last couple of years has sort of been forced into some jumbo lineups just off of sort of roster construction. Um, Joe, you know, yeah. I mean, Kevin mentioned a couple sort of combos in the front quarter there sort of lineups like that, that, that are exciting. Obviously with a guy like Trout, you have questions defensively just because he's young and, and hasn't played in the system before, but Vanderplas brings a lot to the table. Gardner brings a lot to the table in, in, in different ways, along with Cheddar and Cafaro. you know, is, is there something there that, that maybe, you know, we didn't have last year that that could benefit this team? Yeah, that's something that I think is really interesting because there's, there's definitely a crowd out there that thinks that this is going to look like, same team as last year just given that we returned almost all of our minutes but you have to consider all the different wrinkles that we had by like we were a known commodity and and we're you know we couldn't really shoot real well and there weren't a whole lot of ways that we could get to you offensively and I think you know while we may not add any individual who will just be an immediate um, game changer and, and totally flip the script we definitely have enough parts that you know, maybe one game McNeely will pull them outside and, and switch around for us or Vanderplas. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where we play him because I know when uh, somebody was, was, I guess, in Italy watching the games and said that they saw Vanderplas playing as a mover briefly. Um, so if we get him out playing three and he's a really high level rebounder, um, that would provide not only like the stretch potential of having someone like him that can shoot it, but but also <clears throat> if he can defend his position, we have a ton of size in the front court. If you can add somebody like him um, playing the three alongside maybe a, a Gardner and a Shedrick. Definitely. And, and, and Kevin, I know you mentioned Trout is that small ball five. Could could Vanderplas, you know, fit into that role? I mean, maybe in a, in a sort of a interesting front court with Gardner. Like how, how do we yeah, fit I mean, that? Right. I don't know if you call him the four or the five with Gardner on it. Right. Gardner would be the center. But yeah, I expect you're going to see that. Right. You know, you've got to. Those are two of your best players. You're going to go small. Those are the guys you want out there. But, you know, I think as we talked about, or as I kind of mentioned before, the issue with that is defensively. Right. You know, that that's just you're, – you're small. There's not a lot of athletes. Well, I mean, they're okay athletes. There's no rim protection. Right. Which kind of – this is – you know, that's kind of the issue with that. Now, I'll go back to Isaac Trout, though. Trout, I expect Trout to be really good defensively. I think yeah. that's going to surprise some people because of his mobility, 
And he's a good athlete. I mean, just he's an athletic guy. He's not a rim protector. He's not a shot blocker. When you talk about big guys, people always kind of connect shot blocking to defense. He doesn't bring that. But I do think he's going to be a good defensive player. And, uh, yeah, just, yeah, I think it's an interesting group. It's, it's kind of pieces, and we don't really know where they fit yet. Like right. Joe was talking about with, with Vanderplaz playing a guard. And I do think that's what they're going to try for the most part is to try to get him on the court with Gardner. That's the best way. So I think that's going to be really interesting because, you know, I don't believe he's ever really been used as a guard. No, I don't think so. It was pretty much just a four or maybe even a small five at times. So that's going to be a really big test for him defensively. Right. And guards. Yeah. I mean, that could be tough. And, and it, you know, we've, we've seen that in the past with somebody like Sam Hauser uh, in, in that uh in that 2021 season, but also had Trey Murphy as someone to, to be able to guard that wing and that they were able to flip-flop that. And Gardner and Vanderplas, you don't really have that. I mean, no, very few people are as athletically yeah. gifted as Trey Murphy, but. Right, right. There's no Trey Murphy, but I will say Vanderplas is a better athlete than Hauser. You know, we all love Sam, but Vanderplas is a little quicker, a little more explosive guy. I, I think he'll be better equipped to defend that, you know, three spot, whatever you want to call it, than Sam was. And that was part of Virginia's struggles that early, so early that season yeah. was when they were trying to use Sam as a guard, as a three, and eventually they sort of settled into using him, you know, exclusively as a four. So I do think Hal or Vanderplaus is better equipped for it, but we'll see. It's going to be hard for him. One thing I yeah. would say, um, tying in with that, is, is with Hauser and Gardner, you know, we always hear about how hard it is to – Grasp the defensive system, especially as a big. But we brought in two experienced transfers who started maybe a little shaky, but towards the end of each of their seasons, I think Hauser and Gardner were like definitely holding their own on defense. They weren't liabilities at all by the end of the year. And I think it was just finding how to cater the roster to fit their defensive strengths and weaknesses. Um, but I think that's something that, that Tony Bennett and them will work towards. And I, I don't expect him to be a lockdown defender for us or anything, but I think Vanderplas, I don't know his defensive history, but I don't expect him to be like a turnstall or anything for us. It's just a matter of, of figuring out where we put him. Right, absolutely. Yeah, I, think he's a sneaky, I think he's a sneaky good defender a lot. Like, you know, we don't think of Ty Jerome as being a good defensive player, but he was very cerebral. He was always in the right position. He had great instincts. He, he was one of the leaders in steals, I think. Vanderplas led the Mac in steals. Yeah, he really. He did. Yeah, yeah. I'm mistaken. He was either first or second. I believe he was first. First and steal so, percentage. I mean, yeah, he's kind of similar in that way. You know, he's not maybe the physically. You don't think of him as being a guy that's going to be a great defensive player, but you know, just kind of the mental side of the game, he makes up for it. Definitely, and and you know, we talk about sort of UVA returning most of its minutes. Really, Cody Statman being the only notable departure from that rotation. Um, I guess I'll ask Kevin, you know, who do you see? I think you mentioned Kafaro. Who might lose out on minutes if you do have Vanderplas, potentially Trout, McNeely, sort of these guys um, fitting into minutes? And, and you know, could we see a deeper rotation? Obviously, Bennett, he, he yeah, likes to narrow things right. down come ACC play, but could, could we see nine guys? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think you're going to see a deeper rotation. I think the way they would like to do it is basically seven guys who play a lot of minutes and then sort of eight or nine sort of the eight, nine spots are guys that, you know, get spot minutes here and there. They play most games, but not very much, you know, and depends on foul trouble or whatever may get in there. 
But, uh, yeah, I think you're going to see a deeper rotation. Um, as far as guys that could see their minutes go down, yeah, there are several guys. I think the obvious one is Kia Clark. Yeah. To be honest here, I mean, if if McNeely steps up, if they start using Vanderplas as a guard, that works. I mean, they don't need both Kia and Reese out there all the time. Right. <laughs> you know, that's been the most talked about things. You know, it's not like they want to do it that way. It's just those have been the best players, and that's what they, they had to do. If things work, if McNeely provides what they think he can, if Vanderplas brings what they think or they think he can, then you know I can see Kia being a twenty-eight minute per game player or something instead of what was right. he last season? I think those were. If I'm mistaken, those two were both like top five in the ACC in minutes last season. Yeah, no, they were up there. I think right. around thirty-five, maybe higher. Yeah, yeah, Joe. So, yeah, yeah, Kia. And then, of course, Kafara, we talked about him. I expect Kafara to play, but, you know, we were talking about how Isaac Trout could have, you know, that's probably going to be the key for Isaac Trout to be in that top seven as opposed to eight and nine. Right. Is beating out Kafara to be sort yeah. of the backup center. Right. Joe, do you have any, like, people that maybe we've mentioned a lot of guys, but guys who we haven't mentioned who, who might sort of prove to be that X factor, whether it's is a six man role, sort of like Deandre Hunter and, and anybody that might really jump that, that you, you know, maybe we haven't mentioned or, or will be underrated. I think that uh, one thing that, that we've seen recently is we, we haven't seen, obviously when we had Hauser Huff and, and Trey Murphy, we had a lot of shooting, but it was in our front court. Um, so we've been used to sort of a, a drought at guard shooting. Um, and I think more than anything, a lot of that is a result of not having someone who is a proven sniper who can like take the the pressure off of a lot of other guys, and then you know maybe their shots to start to fall as well. So I'm I'm really looking for Armand Franklin to have improved season. He spent a lot of time. Obviously, all these guys work hard in the off season. I I loved what I saw out of him working with Justin Anderson, um, sort of trying to develop his game, and and he has had proven shooting performances. I mean. So Florida State last year, he saw the NIT. Obviously, he had one season of 42% from three at Indiana. Um, I'm not sure I expect him to hit that mark, but I definitely think that Armand has room to step up because, um, you know, he, he was lethal in the mid-range all year long. He could get to that floater and little turnaround jumper he had uh, right around free throw extended, but he has a pretty jump shot. And I think if you get somebody like McNeely alongside him that, that may uh, – take some of the gravity off then some of those shots may start to fall for him. And he definitely has the defensive tools to stay in the game. Um, that's not going to be something that, that limits his playing time. Yeah. I mean, I think with Armand, you also see a guy who weirdly enough is, is probably more comfortable shooting the ball off the dribble than off the catch, which is a, you know, guys have different comfort zones, but that's sort of something that, that we've seen with him. Um, and that's what sort of speak to his success in the mid range. Kevin, is this the year that the Reese Beekman is the Reese Beekman that we've sort of been um, praying for over the last couple of years? Is, is this is this sort of you know Reese two exclamation point uh, year? Yeah, well, let's hope for Doug Smith's sake this is the year. Um, I don't know. You, know, I expect him to be much better. I think he's going to be an All Conference kind of player. You know, which is you know he was probably I think it was like honorable mention last season. But you know. I, yeah, I mean, that's about it. I think he has a chance to be a first-team all-league player. If Virginia is really good, he's the biggest key. To me, he is the biggest key because you need him to be 
a star player, not just, you know, what he is, is pretty great in certain areas. And he, I don't know. I mean, uh, it just depends on what you're looking for. I think some people think he's going to become Malcolm Brogdon or something overnight. And I don't believe that's going to happen, but I do think he has, he can be an all league player. And, you know, he, it's just, it's all about kind of his aggressiveness, how aggressive he's going to be. If he decides to be that guy, he can be that guy, but he's got to, he's got to step it up. Joe, yeah. And, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. With Reese, it's, um, I'm not going to compare him, compare him to DeAndre, but similar, you know, sometimes DeAndre would kind of forget he's the best player on the floor. And then you have those games where he's like, oh, wait, and just take over and, and start taking his man left and right. Um, so I think I'm, I'm really looking forward to that increased, uh, hopefully that increase in aggression out of Reese because it seems like whenever he put his head down and was like, decided he wanted to get a bucket. I mean, he's got to be one of the fastest players in the ACC. That first step is unreal. Um, so I'm looking forward to maybe we get him in some more ball screens um, and just let him work with the ball in his hands. Cause you know, we saw towards that second half of the ACC play last year, he really, really picked up his numbers. Um, and even his three point shooting was increased. I don't expect him to be making two, three game threes a game, but um, if you can get a, a three or maybe two a game out of him, that's huge. I, I, I think in, I think the second half of the ACC play is something like 39% from three limited volume, but, um, if he can stretch defenses like that, then I mean he's going to blow by a lot of guys and get a lot of easy buckets for his team. Yeah, nobody would benefit more from having better spacing that Vanderplas and Trout could potentially ride if you're using in the front court. Nobody would benefit from that more than Reese Beacon. You get that guy an open lane, he's tough. He's tough to stay in front of. And we're going to get a lot of those. Uh, Kevin, you always talk about the sneaky Reese dunks. <laughs> I think they're going to get a lot less sneaky if he if he starts to spread out. He, he might right. put people on some posters this year. Definitely. And that's what's so exciting, I think, about a couple of these guys on this roster is that you've been looking at Reese, looking at Caden, looking at a couple other guys to really sort of take that next step. And the idea that this might be that year, you know, there's sort of the depressing thought of like, oh, we're just running back the same team as last year. But with with this new depth and these new guys, along with the the opportunity for um, for guys like Reese and Cade to sort of take that jump could make this team more than just sort of, you know, getting it done. Um, you know, I, we'll talk a little bit uh, 2023 recruiting and sort of where UVA stands. You guys have general. It's hard to make predictions. Obviously, it's it's August and we're talking about stuff that can be happening November, December and into the spring. You guys have general sort of predictions, general thoughts on on how the season's going to go. Or I mean, it seems pretty up in the air to me. Mm. Joe, go ahead. That's you, dude. You mean from a, are you talking about? From, from a team standpoint. From, from, I, I mean, it, it's tough to say, like, where they're finishing the ACC. Obviously, the ACC is um, its own thing. And, you know, obviously, tournament predictions are as good as nothing. I mean, th- those yeah, are. Yeah, I mean, the obvious parallel is, like, the 2017 team. You yeah. got a lot of guys coming back with a lot of fresh blood coming in. Uh, a lot of young talent, but not only that, adding somebody, I mean, people forget that we added a transfer and, and Austin Nichols. I mean, everyone obviously knows how that turned out, but Vanderplas is, you know, we didn't just add him because he wanted to come here. We added him because we need him and he adds a lot. Um, so I think that this team 
actually has a really high ceiling just with the continuity and the experience. And it seems like they're all gelling well, the new guys. Um, I, for a team with a lot of new faces, I fully expect us to be one of, have some of the better chemistry amongst the Tony Bennett team. Um, and I, I don't know. I think that we're going to be in the top. You, you never want to say that with Tony Bennett teams, we're, we don't have a chance to win the ACC because we do, but you have two final four teams returning as well. Um, but I fully expect us to be in that top one, two, three, four kind of setting. I mean, I think this is going to be a deeper ACC as well. A team like Florida State isn't really getting talked about because they have a lot of injuries, but it's going to be a good league, and I fully expect us to be in the thick of it. Yeah, I think they, I think they have a chance to win the ACC. Like you want to look for a team to compare it to. I go back to the Tony Bennett's first ACC championship team the 2014, 13, 14 team, you know, they were in the NIT the year before that. They pretty much brought the same guys back. They added a big transfer to Anthony Gill, who had set out that season, sort of like Ben Vanderplaus. Now the difference is they also, Malcolm Brogdon missed the NIT season, came back. Right. But we didn't, we didn't think of Malcolm Brogdon as Malcolm Brogdon right. at that time either. So, you know, we kind of call that Reese Speakman, if you will. You know, there's there could be that guy out there. But yeah, I mean, Look, if, if you have continuity under Tony Bennett, it, it's a good thing. And we, we've seen that the last couple of years when they've tried to fill in transfers. And that's led to some really bad early season struggles. And that sort of affects the way people look. Like the team last season, it's an NIT team. But that was not an NIT team the second half of the season. I mean, they won a Duke. That was a good basketball team at the end of the season once they came together and they had very obvious flaws to work around and they still kind of got to the point where on a given day, they could be just about anybody. So, yeah, I mean, I like this team. I think some of the additions I've talked about Isaac McNeely, you know, I don't want to hype him too much because I feel like I put pressure on him when, when all of us do this, but I could see him having the kind of season that London Prentice had when he was a freshman. London came in and they, he had to be the starting point guard because they didn't have anybody else. Well, they need Isaac McNeely to be a great shooter because they need that. They don't have that guy. And it made all the difference when they brought in London. He wasn't, you know, his stats aren't that great that freshman season. But anyone who followed the team knows London was the key to being an ACC champion that season. I could see Isaac McNeely having that type of, you know, filling that type of role that really keys around. It's definitely good to hear and uh, something exciting. I, you know, I want to pivot to, to 2023 and obviously uh, hear from you guys on, on where we stand there. Obviously UVA has uh, one commitment in the 2023 class right now in, in uh, Blake Buchanan Center uh, out, out of Idaho. Um, you know, I'll, I'll throw it to Kevin sort of as a player, you know, what, what does Buchanan project to be? You know, what, what what's his ceiling? What's his floor there? Sort of why is he... You know what? Yeah. What 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 appealed to him about? Uh, you know what what appealed to Tony Bennett about him? Right. Yeah, I think um, probably the best UVA comparison right now would be to Caden Shedrick. He's not quite the athlete Caden is, but he's a little more physical. He's at least he plays hard. He's a physical guy that plays really hard, and at that size, he moves extraordinarily well. And we know how important that is for Gene. So I think that. High motor, good athlete. And, you know, what Tony Bennett is looking for, 
and a true big man, that's pretty much it, you know. And he's showing some flashes of skill. I think it's going to come in time. As far as what he is right now, he's, he's kind of been inconsistent. When he's good, he's really good. But, you know, as like a lot of young big men, he has rough games and rough outings. But, uh, you know, I think what on three just updated the rankings, they had him in the top 60. And I think that's fair. I think he's a, he's a guy that has a very high floor because of those physical talents. And then we'll see if the skill comes, then you have something really special if he really kind of polishes his offensive game. Yeah, if he um, if he got that nice Jay Huff like two inch boost, he oh, yeah. really really dangerous. And um, I I say Jay Huff, he I mean obviously he can't shoot it like Huff, and that's you know his real hallmark. But when he gets that like downhill one step with the ball, he can do some things going towards the hoop. He's you know Shedrick is is pretty glued to paint right now and a, a really good rim runner. But um, Blake Buchanan, we've seen just short clips of him, like, making things happen if you give him a lane, you know. He's not just a deer in headlights with the ball. He's got a, a really, really nice over-the-shoulder hook shot working for him right he now. Does, yeah. Which is something that I'm really looking forward to because having a player like Anthony Gill or, like, you know, Darion Atkins towards his third and fourth year where they can really hit those shots and, and then have an automatic bucket in the paint just to switch things up is – Really, really crucial. We watched him this summer. He went head-to-head with uh, Eric Queen, who's a five-star rated big man, 24 class. He may reclassify to 23. And Blake got the better of him. I mean, on a given day, he can play with anyone. He's a very talented guy. He's going to be good. It's exciting to hear. I mean, I think that uh, you can, you know, generally an under-the-radar guy just by name and where he's from with, you know, and all that. But um, as you guys say, some, somebody who, who has, you know, you mentioned a high floor, but also high potential. And, and that's sort of a, an exciting prospect. Um, obviously, a couple other uh, big names for UVA in 2022, perhaps the most um, prominent in sense of uh, maybe UVA's potential chances would be Elijah Gertrude. Uh, sort of shooting guard uh, out of out of Jersey City, Kevin. What, what have you seen at a Gertrude, and and you know, do you have an idea of of where UVA may stand as as he's got a, a final list of, of five schools? Yeah, UVA is in a really good place with him. I mean, I think they're the heavy favorite to get him. He's um, an electric athlete. I mean, that's the first thing with him. The guy is, you know, he, he would be the most athletic player on the Virginia team the moment <laughs> he stepped on grounds. He's really special physically. And, you know, he's, he's nice, probably not going to be a day one guy that corrects, corrects the rotation or anything his first year. But, uh, yeah, as far as upside, this guy could be unbelievable defensively. And I think he's pretty close. And he's going to be a guy that's sort of a combo guard. And he shoots it pretty well. And, you know, he's, he's going he's gonna to be a guy that I think can create his own shot. He shows flash. So he's pretty close to being that guy. And that's – yeah, I think he's an underrated player. I do. I think Virginia's probably going to get him. We'll see what happens. But uh, turn that over. He's he's looking at Kansas. You know, I think Kansas is trying to get one more guard in their class. He does have an offer from them. Where, you know, it, it's kind of unclear the way they do things, which which player they're prioritizing and that sort of thing. So we don't really know yet. But he's talked about visiting there. That could be kind of the the hurdle if we get that far. Right. Joe, do you have any thoughts on, on Gertrude? 
Yeah, I I love watching that guy play. I mean, he can just flat out fly, and he gets some of those, you know, Justin Anderson chase down blocks um, that just come out of nowhere. Um, but I think one thing that's interesting about him is he's he's not you know a real big guy, but I think because of his athleticism, people talk about how we have we obviously have an opening at point guard, but we have like a, a crowded guard room. But I think when you're as athletic as him, you you sort of add a new position. You know, you're you're positionless, and that you provide something that no one else on the roster has. Um, I I think that he, like Kevin alluded to, would be like day one, arguably our best athlete, uh, and can just provide a lot for us in that regard. And um, I mean, if we got Reese Beekman and Elijah Gertrude going head to head. Um, or not head-to-head, working together in the backcourt, they could just absolutely torture some opposing guards. So that's something that I would love to see. Definitely. And then, uh, you know, just keep keep moving sort of down a couple names. Um, I guess the maybe the biggest name uh, of UVA's remaining targets is, is uh, power forward TJ Power. Um, also trimmed his list to five recently with Duke, North Carolina, um, Iowa, and Boston College involved. Kevin, obviously, this seems like a bit of a toss-up in terms of where UVA uh, stands in terms of, of getting a commitment. Why is power so sought after and, and, and sort of, you know, how, not, not how would UVA get him, but but sort of, you know, what's it going to take? How, how is this process potentially going to go for, for UVA to land, um, you know, a really, really talented player in power? We don't really know what's coming now. I, I, I expect he's probably just going to decide. You know, it's probably, it's, you know, he's down to five. I don't know if he'll take any more visits. He'll probably just come to a decision over the next month or so. And, you know, from what we've heard, and I've heard this from multiple, as good a source as you get, this was Virginia all the way until Carolina and Duke came in. July, he had a monster week of AU, dropped 40 in a game. Carolina, Duke, Kansas, a bunch of other schools came in with new offers. And uh, this was going to, he was going to go to Virginia. That's, that's kind of what I've heard from a couple of different people. So, you know, is he going to, what's going to happen now? We don't know. They're trying. They still think they can get him. We'll see. We've, we've been down this road before, you know, when you, when you're going head to head with, with Duke and Carolina, it's just hard. You know, it takes, it takes a really special guy, I think, to, to still choose Virginia when you have those opportunities. We'll kind of see if that's going to be him or not, but, uh, yeah, right now it's just kind of wait and see. I expect someday he'll just post a decision. And that'll be that. Okay, I mean, Joe, you know what what makes him, you know, the player that he is that, that has, you know, what, what about his skill set has brought Duke, Carolina, UVA to the table? Yeah, he's um, so he's about six foot eight, and and um, in an age of positionless basketball, he is he's kind of the pinnacle of that. Like he can really handle the ball for his size. He's not going to be a Cade Cunningham, you know, running the point all the time. But for I, people who are guarding a 6'8 forward are going to struggle to stay in front of him. But um, I think his shot-taking and shot-making prowess is, was really, really showcased towards the end of his AAU sessions. Is um, You know, it's one of those things where he's got that – I'm not going to say Ty Jerome, but he sort of scans the court and – so I was like, all right, you're not going to guard me. I'm just going to shoot this thing. And, like, he can really stroke it. Um, so I think that shooting adds a lot. And one thing that isn't as talked about, but, but the people who have watched him in person have noted, 
is he's a really high motor player. And that's something that you absolutely need to succeed under Tony Bennett. So um, just being a guy who's going to bring it every single possession, as well as adding that, that shooting layer. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing about power, I mean, he, he, if you had to give him a, a UVA comp, it would be probably like a, a Sam Hauser type, but plus a lot of a lot of traits that, that, that could separate him as, as sort of a um, more more of a playmaker off the dribble. You know, likely more athletic. Um, as we talked like, about, a lot offensively, I would say he's a lot like Ben Vanderbilt's. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's I mean, probably as much good of a comparison you get. Yeah, I mean, he, he's got that potential as sort of that that pick and pop type of guy who who also has playmaking ability you know because i mean that, that's one thing about vanderplas that we don't talk about a lot is you know he he had a, a high assist rate last year i think he averaged over three assists a game um not to get back into the 2022 2023 season rabbit hole but you know th- that's something that, that he can also provide there um obviously sort of maybe the the, the biggest question mark in uv basketball recruiting right now um as it has been frankly for a while now is, is the point guard spot obviously uva was looking to fill a point guard among that 2022 class um, event, events unfolded and, and and they looked for, for one in 2023. Uh, London Johnson was that guy for about six months, right. uh, three different times was that guy is no longer that guy for, you know, reasons. And, uh, and now UVA seems to, uh, I don't know, not, 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 not have a great idea. I mean, Kevin, where, where do we stand with yeah, this? No, I think you just encapsulated. Yeah. That's pretty much look. We we know what happened, London Johnson. Look, London Johnson was coming to Virginia. The G League came in, and that was it's that. Funny story. It's a funny story, Kevin. It's a funny story, but you know, two million dollars will, will change a lot of minds. Um, yeah, it's it's been a mess since then. Frankly, you know, it just feels like they've been playing catch up, and that that's kind of what it is. We're always chasing guys that they're a little behind on. They've recruited a couple here that, frankly, you know, it's okay to recruit guys that you know you're probably not going to get. That's just part of the deal. But, you know, that's kind of where we are now. Trey Green was a player that they offered in July. Um, I think they were pretty hopeful about him. And then he committed to Xavier the next week. And those kind of things happen in recruiting. You know, it's just part of the deal. But, um yeah, at this point, we're, we're sort of left chasing a couple of guys that, you know, they're realistic. They can pull it off. But the odds are, are definitely long against them that are going to get them. We're talking about uh, El Marco Jackson. He's, he's going to end up being a borderline five-star point guard. Goes to school, goes to prep school up Connecticut. And uh, Taysan Chapman is another top 50 point guard out of Minnesota. And uh, those guys are going to be hard to get. It's just, uh, you know, the competition stuff, and, you know, just, they haven't exactly, uh, you know, the whole time they've been chasing other guys is kind of the reality. of They've been looking for the next guy all summer, and now we're kind of left with just playing it out with whatever they found. See so what happens. But, yeah. Would the, the option well, be? I mean, we'll see what happens. But I always say this, you know, if it doesn't work out, it's not the end of the world. Recruiting, we, we, I think fans will get it in terms of year by year. Look, if they don't get a 23-point guard, it's just going to make it really easy to get him for 124. Right. You know, and it, it all kind of evens out. And, in fact, I think they, they have a, you know, a 24 kid kind of in mind there getting Ty Davis out of Alabama. The coach Bennett was 
paid a lot of attention to this summer. And, you know, this is a guy they're probably going to recruit either way. But if things don't work out, 23 guys, and he's going to move really quickly with a guy like that. Now, would there be an option to, to look at somebody in the, in the transfer portal potentially as oh, obviously sure. – oh, sure. I mean, maybe even I – mean, we talked about with, with Kihei finally leaving after this season. Um, obviously, they'd look to probably maybe fill a grad – with a grad transfer point guard to sort of fill that, you know, sort of a Nigel Johnson sort of stock yeah, gap guy. Now, yeah, I think right now it's kind of figured out later if it doesn't work out. Right. And we're going to chase these two guys and do everything they can to get one of them. If it doesn't work out this fall, they'll kind of pick things up where it is. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think they'll consider all options, you know, getting a transfer. The problem with transfers is you have to be very careful not to to take that away from your high school recruiting. Yeah. You know, if you, you were talking about bringing a graduate transfer, that would be great. But it's hard to count on that right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because Reese is still going to be there. It's not going to be really – you know, you're looking for a Nigel Johnson, basically. Right. That happens. I remember Nigel was a player that came in one season, was a backup point guard. You know, that would be great, but um, you know, I don't know that they really need that anyway. Yeah, with you know, the guys that they have. Isaac, we're talking about Isaac McNeely. You know, he's a guy to me that, you know, the way they talked about, it, I think he can be a backup point guard. I think right. he can be kind of, especially in another season, be a lot like Malcolm Brogdon was as a sophomore. Right, yeah. You know, Malcolm was a starting two guard who backed up London at the same time. So I think you could see something like that, but they'll look at, they'll look around if it doesn't work out. Absolutely. And so then, I mean, you know, if we're looking at, at sort of a, a broad scale UV basketball recruiting outlook, and obviously that's sort of the um, gr- greater sort of idea of the program as a whole and, and with NIL and, and obviously immediate transfer eligibility, you know, it's a it's a broad and, and tough question to answer, but you know, I is UVA in a good place? I mean, after twenty twenty two and and maybe missing a couple guys in twenty twenty three. I mean, you know, obviously it's Tony Bennett, but I think there's a lot of fans out there that get pretty maybe reactionary <laughs> about certain recruits and and certain things right. happening, like London Johnson. Um, right. Ke- Kevin, can you reassure us real quick? <laughs> yeah, Virginia basketball is in good hands, Zach. I mean, look, you always have to step back from the trees to see the forest. You know what I mean? So. I think when you look at things, and I deal with fans every day that follow recruiting <laughs> obsessively, and we, we we fall victim to that a lot. You know, we're too caught up in the minutia of this recruit and that recruit. They just brought in four great players. They have they have one committed for twenty three. You know, basically that things things tend to even out. Yeah, Virginia brand is good. NIL is not a major factor to Virginia. Is there a player? Here and there, where NAL is going to be a problem. Yeah. And then, you know, the transfer stuff, it kind of is what it is. I don't think Virginia is hurt by it anymore than anyone else. What do you think, Zach? You're the, you're the Luke Skywalker of UVA basketball. I mean, I feel like in the transfer portal, UVA has a, uh, a good sort of uh, persona or reputation as a finisher school. I mean, we've seen that with Trey Murphy, Sam Hauser, uh, Braxton Key. I mean, even going back to Anthony Gill, number of guys there. So I think, uh, you know, that th- that's maybe where they, you know, they, they can rely on sort of that sort of status really well and, and getting guys like Trey Murphy who they can turn into NBA prospects right away. So I think they have a good niche. Yeah. I think yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, 
I try and tell people that the same thing you do. Uh, you put it more eloquently than I do, but uh, you know, with that, I mean, if you guys have any other comments on, on UV basketball recruiting, Joe, you have anything to add sort of on the, on the big picture? Um, I would say just sort of reiterating uh, what Kevin said, it really frustrates the hell out of me to see people, you know, it's, <laughs> it's easy to get lost and, and see that we've been in the front or we've been in the thick of it with, a lot of these guys for a while, but like put yourself in the shoes of these kids. And we have a pretty loaded roster ahead of them. Um, So it's not, you may love Tony Bennett and in a perfect world, there's a bunch of playing time, but it's a business decision. Like these kids want to go where they can play and have an opportunity to make the NBA. And I think at the end of the day, if you look ahead of you and there's guys who are on an equal or maybe better playing field ahead of you, and they have another year in the program, but it's just, you know, there's not a ton of minutes. So while we may be in some of these long recruitments, it's, it doesn't always make sense. It's cyclical. Right. Um, but we still got a hell of a player in Buchanan and, you know, it's not over. We got some other guy, you know, I'm, I'm very hopeful on Gertrude as we've talked about. And uh, there's, there's still time with some other guys. We'll see. Definitely. They're in it, they're in it with power more than fans think. I feel like, you know, again, we deal with these people, fans every day. People are sort of writing off TJ Power when they should not at all. Well, that's good to hear then. Um, You know, I I appreciate you guys, uh, you guys coming on and and talking hoops with me for a while. Um, It was good catching up with the both of you. And uh, to to everybody listening, uh, please stay tuned to the blog. You know, obviously with with any requests, significant recruiting news dropping we'll have coverage of it there obviously kevin uh and joe were both uh you know on, on locker access forums uh doling out information there that you might need and on the who's got next instagram twitter facebook account so be sure to check them out there uh for, for more of this this these juicy tidbits on, on uv basketball recruiting um but thanks guys yeah zach thanks for having us man thanks for having me Absolutely. So uh, with that, thank you all for listening and uh, go who's.